Welcome to Season 2 of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. Here's your hosts, Matt Cook and Bobby Brown. Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 22 of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. My name is Matt Cook. I'm here with my co-host, Bobby Brown, who is on the PGA Tour as a caddy. He caddies for Troy Merritt. If, if you've been living in a cave or under a rock throughout our episodes that we've been doing together, uh, but this episode in particular, Bobby, we're going to be diving in to not only some difficult topics, but also some topics that are really kind of polarizing right now. It is becoming a very polarizing space, this golf battle. Um, so we'll definitely touch upon some of the live golf versus the PGA Tour, the lawsuit, the latest, some of the changes that are going to be coming up with formatting and so forth. But before we get down into the nitty gritty on live golf and the PGA Tour and this battle that's going on and really getting some insights from you as well as kind of going over our opinions, I uh, also want to dive into the caddy breakup. I mean, there's so much news going yeah. on right now in golf that we really had to sit down, the two of us, and cover a lot of this. So what's up with these late-season caddy shakeups? And then well, also – go ahead. Jump in. Uh, no, 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 no. I thought you were getting to that, but, but – um, Well, then uh, also I, I want to start off with the Wyndham recap and yeah. get us started there well, because last week a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, it was a good week to be Korean on the PGA Tour in Greensboro, that's for sure. I was, um, I was, had some relatives in town for the week, but I got plenty, I, you know, I, I watch it all the time, and I was watching it, it's funny, after Thursday's leaderboard, um, I turned to Lori, and I'm like, a Korean's winning this week, I can tell you that much right now, as, it, as there was four of them on top of the leaderboard, of course, um, Tom, you know, he's the only one that is, goes by Tom of all the Koreans, you know, he was... He's Korean, but I've got to know him pretty well, you know, over the last year or two, hanging out with the Koreans and doing practice rounds and stuff like that. He was actually born in Korea, but he was actually raised in Australia, right? That's where the really? great English comes from. Yeah. So it's it's got to be nice for his caddy to be able to communicate that way because it's tough communicating with the other Koreans, whether it's just general information about the shot or, you know, trying to change the vibe or something like that because they run hot, but... Man, what a performance about this kid. Let me tell you a little bit something about this kid is obviously I know, you know, all the Koreans and I'm very well connected. And if there's a caddy change or something's going on, I have a gentleman from San Diego and Salinas, California named Rambert Sim, who calls me and tells me. And basically what Rambert Sim does is um, he's a very successful, he's a very successful guy in his own, own right. So when these Koreans are young, let's say in their teenagers and they're, going to be superstars or the parents are going to be superstars or they've proven them themselves already they send these kids over to because they're still kids and they send these kids over to rambert to live with rambert he gets them a phone he opens them up a bank account he'll randomly caddy for him drive them around to different tournaments and that kind of stuff uh, teach him a little bit of english he, he's basically like a house dad right they move in with him and then as their career blossoms or they start making some money or their parents aren't here yet then they go their separate ways but i can tell you that four years ago you know, right when Sungjae was starting, I believe Tom must have been 17, 16 or 17 at this time. And we were talking about Sungjae and he told me, he's like, man, there's one that's going to be as good as Sungjae, right? And he started telling me about, about Tom Kim. So I got teed off to him, you know, way back when. And the last couple CJ Cups, um, 
play practice rounds with him and that kind of stuff. And he's super, he's super impressive. He's super straight. I can tell you that he puts the shit out of it. Um, he chips great, which all Koreans are fantastic chippers around the greens. And um, uh, his iron game is solid. And I'm just wondering, you know, is this, is he going to be a little bit better than Sungjae? Who knows? It's too early to tell. Obviously, Sungjae's pretty established out here. But we played with him Saturday at 3 a.m. in Minnesota. And Koreans, for the most part, are very rhythmic with their swings, with their action. They pretty much hit straight shots. They don't curve anything. Or, you know, they don't try and get it a right flag with a cut. Well, some of them do. Or they, they don't try and get it a left flag with a draw. But what impressed me most about this young man, other than his excellent English, was that with, at left pins, he was drawing them into left pins, right? And back pins, he was cutting them in back right pins or front right pins. He was just hitting the proper shape. And I don't want to, you know, say he reminded me of Tiger because he didn't. But just his shot-making ability was so impressive to me on Saturday and Troy played a lot. Troy, Troy played a lot with Sungjae, Sungjae's rookie year. And when we finished the round, Troy said, not sure if he's as good as Sungjae yet, but I think he is going to be as good as Sungjae. And I think maybe Troy might even change his mind after that dominating performance, especially the whole golf world knows he started off. He got caught in no man's land there on number one and made the quad and the battle back. I mean, she's, that should have won by eight or nine strokes. I mean, Fact is, he made over 400 feet with the putts, right? So that kind of helps, and you're probably going to win sure when something like that happens. But the reason why I said that to Lori about a Korean winning is because the deal with that Greensboro tournament is it, it's very hot, you know, and it's Bermuda, and it's very grainy, and those are elements that they've grown in, up in playing their whole lives on the Japanese tour, the Asian tour, or the Korean tour. So they have tons of experience, and it's no surprise that – Siwoo's tried to win it a couple times. I believe he got beat in the six-man playoff. I worked for him one year um, where he was very much in contention. Um, two years ago, when I left him, Brian Branch was caddying for him. And I'm going to say on number 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 is a par four where there is where you, you basically hit a four iron, right? You're hitting a 235-yard shot, maybe 245 max. And then there's a creek runs through. And then the cover all the way over is it's coverable at 275 or 280, but the secondary fairway is a big pitch right to left, right? There's no room to really land a ball. And I know that Siwoo that one year on Sunday when he, he was maybe a shot in front or two shots in front, just naturally Siwoo pulls out driver and Brian's like, man, where are you going with this? And he goes, oh, I cover creek, bro, no problem. And Brian's like, man, there's you, you're going to hit it in the left drop, even if you hit a perfect shot. So anyways, he made a big number there and, and probably blew a chance of winning, but man, this kid is impressive, and I, I would just bet everything right now that he's solidified a position on Trevor's um, uh, President's Cup team coming up here in, what, the second week of September or something like that? Right after, yeah. I, believe it's, I believe it's the week after Napa, if I'm not mistaken, but he, man, the sky's the limit for this kid. He has a good caddy on the bag. Uh, Jacob Fleck is his name. He's, he's younger. He's 26 or 27, and you know, when you get new, when you get paired with new caddies as a veteran caddy, you kind of scope them out, listen to what they're saying, and he made some good calls for this kid on the wind in in Minnesota the day we were paired with him. And I'm um, uh, man, the sky's the limit huh, for this kid. He looks so 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 impressive, and I hate to say it, but I got the vibe from him that he's like not your total Korean spastic when a mistake's made, obviously by bouncing back with the quad and that kind of stuff. And I just think that that 
is going to put him maybe a little bit above the rest of the Koreans because they kind of they kind of run hot, man, and they lose their shit quite a bit, and they don't. And him speaking English is probably a good thing for his caddy because when all hell's breaking loose, that's when a caddy's got to get in there and basically be in a polite way. You know, hey, man, you got you're not doing this any good right now. You know, let that shot go or let that putt go, and let's focus on to the next one. So yeah. it was a it was a great wind of tournament. You know, other than him, it was a stacked leaderboard as they as they always are and um uh, sky's the limit for him i mean the kid is a sunday like he just turns it on and it's yeah, so, so impressive much, he's so mature too with the body language and the strut and everything like that he is you know, well he gets in the zone and he's got that yeah. like he's got that moxie to him right because we yeah. saw it at the genesis over in scotland he did that on Sunday and yeah. just came up short because he didn't play as good over the the other three days. Same thing happens at, uh, what was it, 3M. And then yeah. all of a sudden get into this tournament and he had played well yeah. enough during the three days to where all of a sudden he goes Yahtzee on Sunday, yeah. shoots the 61. And yeah. But the one thing that I noticed with this kid is that when he gets locked in, it's not like some of these other guys on tour to where all of a sudden it's like you'll still see some bad shots creep in as yeah. they're playing really well coming down the stretch yeah. just because there's a lot of pressure. This kid, as soon as he gets locked in, he doesn't miss. And that's yeah, and what I felt was so impressive. And don't forget on Sunday, um, <coughs> excuse me, Sunday at Detroit, he shot the, the course record. Remember he shot 63 yep. Sunday at Detroit. So he's obviously playing, playing the best golf of his life right now. I will say this. He doesn't, he doesn't hit it very far. That's the deal with him. Troy's, Troy's not very long. He's average long, but he's a little, He's a little shorter than Troy, so he's hitting longer clubs in. So let's say he's playing the best golf of his life right now for sure. Yeah. And But I think when you start moving to Torrey Pine South or something like that, you know, where it's, it's 73, 7,400 yards. He at, gets stretched out. At sea level. He gets he gets stressed out. He, he, I wouldn't say he's a horses for courses guy, but the 3M, Greensboro, Detroit, those are kind of courses that are right up a player like – right up their alley you know so if you put him at Beth page he's probably going to struggle a little too you know when you get to the super bomber courses i do think that this week's going to be a good week for him here for the first fedex cup event at tbc southland because you got to hit it straight here um it's once again it's hot as can be here i mean it's like brutal caddy dropping weather um super grainy bermuda greens this year i know there's not a lot of rough as there has been in the past after being here for a couple of days and a couple of practice rounds um but still, you can get in some spots where you're gambling on jumpers. This place is notorious for flyers. So you almost, it's, you know, let's talk about flyers. They're such a gamble. And it's so stressful for a caddy, too, if you don't really have an experience. It's true. It if you don't true. have an experienced player, you're best basically guessing. And, you know, you're protecting, right? You, you, you know, a certain club fits to a certain yardage. But you're like, man, if this thing comes out and you're screaming, you know, long's no good and that kind of stuff. So if you guess right, you look like a genie. Yes. And if you get if you guess wrong with experience, you're probably going to be okay because if anything else, it's going to come out a little slow. And you know, nine out of ten golf courses, you can really play above the hole, right? Especially on the PGA Tour. I, I mean, below the hole. I, below I said the hole. that right. I know what you meant. Below, below I'm glad hole. you so, corrected it though, because the audience might not have, and then you would have gotten all the criticism coming at you. Bobby doesn't know what the hell he's doing out there. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> no player. Now, do you not. know why he's named Tom? 
Did you hear this story? Thomas the Train or Thomas yeah. the Tank? Yeah, he's got an, like an obsession or an yeah. infatuation well, with like Thomas one. the Train. <laughs> he kind of does. It looks That's like one. He's got to be all of five, five, five. I'm guessing he's like five, six or five, seven. Is he seven. that short? Yeah, he's super oh, that short. That I didn't realize. He's built like Sunday. I wouldn't say, you know, he would never hear this, but he's got a little bit of a pudgy belly and, and everything like that, you know, and, and um, you know, he hasn't really got a lot of muscle to him and he's, He's just, um, he's just really good. Hey, Korean, Korean golf right now, man. You got this kid. You got Sungjae. You got Siwoo. You got KH Lee. You know the others. You know there's not too many others. Kang. He's been off form for two or three years now. But you know you could, you could potentially, if Siwoo does something in these playoffs, and I'm assuming that's no other international guys are leaving for live that would be on that team because. We'll talk about it later, but what I've heard about these other guys that are leaving, they're all going to go after the President's Cup or maybe, yeah, after the President's Cup. So that's the rumor around the campfire. But this golf course here that we're playing this week, super, super excited to be here, man. It's the real deal, man. It's a good golf course. It tests I got 11 food. behind me. Yes, I noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that. It's 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 a great hole. You know, these parkies are here are tough. A few of them have what, you know, you're – you're carrying water or there's water on the right or there's water on the left and you really have to be precise on where you're landing it. You know, we had, it was playing soft the last couple of mornings and then now we just had a brutal nasty storm that rolled through a couple of hours ago. And I mean, like she almost shut the whole city down. Nobody could drive or anything like that. So it's, Oof. I assume it's going to be, it's going to be super soft out there, which is probably going to help a bomber a little bit. You know, Dustin, I've had good luck here. Dustin won here in 2011, right off of his 60 day, um, jet ski accident, you know, and um, Troy's actually finished second here before, and he's had a couple other top tens. and And Troy took a week off last week after you know a, a good, good, good couple of weeks of really great Detroit. So I look for a showing out of my guy. We're sixty four on the FedEx Cup list. There was a time when I've had players before, and obviously we all know that the top seventy advanced to next week. You know, so I've had players in that position before where I would get all worked up that week and I would pull up the mathematics, like, what do we have to do? Where do we have to finish? But now as I get older, I'm more like, ah, fuck it. You know, you put the first one in the fairway and you just play golf and let the yeah. cards fall where they fall. So should be should be pretty, pretty exciting this week, I would imagine. Well, now let's head right into the late season caddy shake wow. I wow. mean, my goodness wow. gracious, Bobby. Have you so is this normal? Because I, I haven't followed like the caddy relationships like we have uh, since you coming on board and us having yeah. other caddies on. The late season shakeup, like this would be like a manager getting fired right before the playoffs. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah. in my opinion. But like Clue us in here. I, I'm just as clueless as probably oh, our audience okay. when it comes to this. So, yeah, this is not to answer your question. This is not normal. You know what I mean? There's always there's always moving and shaking going. Every week you see a different person on a different bag or you hear rumblings of something that's going to happen. But, but you know, the Zalatoris thing, you know, really caught me off guard. It's so funny when it happened. I want to say it was Saturday morning and my phone starts blowing up. At first it was my son on the Corn Ferry Tour, right? And I had no idea this happened. He's like, is it true that Ryan's out? And I'm really good friends with Ryan Goble. Yeah. So Ryan Goble's history is he's a great caddy, number one. I'm going to say that. They did fantastic together. 
So his history with golf is he was an assistant golf coach at UCLA for quite a while, I believe under O.D. Vincent, who was kind of a legendary coach. And he had a player there named John Merrick from Long Beach that was kind of that Jamie Mulligan posse. Jamie now, you know, has Cantlay, the Florida sisters, Molinari, yep. you know, quite a few players, Luke List. But he originally started Jamie with these, you know, Peter Tomasulu, John Merrick, and John Mallinger. So he comes to work for Merrick, and, you know, one of UCLA's um, home courses was Riviera, and Merrick ends up winning at Riviera. They they don't last together maybe more than four years, and John moved to Dallas and is, you know, from California. I'm not saying that's a reason, and his, his game just didn't continue on for whatever reason. So, so... So let me, let me say this. So John Merrick's agent is a gentleman named Alan Hobbs who works for Lynn Roach's group. Lynn Roach group, Roach's group has like the Hosses and Fred Couple. It's a pretty established agent out here. And they have Zalatoris. So Ryan, so Ryan got the phone call, you know, and he's like, hey, would you consider going back down to work for this Will Zalatoris? He's going to come back up. So he went down. I'm sure it was two seasons he worked for him on the – Cornberry tour and worked their way up and I think they were together four or five years but anyway so my phone phone's blowing up and that kind of stuff and I'm like well I'm not gonna I'm pretty close with Ryan I'm like I couldn't take it after an hour right I gotta text Ryan I thought hey Ryan here's the deal and I got a thought in the back of my mind because there's another great Korean Sung Yong Kim who's nine on the Cornberry tour money list and I've been in this position before where you lose a big time bag obviously and the first tendency is to play woe is me, right? And you mm-hmm. sit around and you're like, man, how did this happen? We were doing great together, blah, blah, blah. Um, fuck it, you know, I got some money. I'm just going to chill for a while. But that's not the way to do it. You got, you want to get right back in the game. You know, you want to get want to get seen again. You want people to know because it doesn't take but two or three weeks or four weeks, no matter who you are. You know, the players forget about you. It's the old out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. So I told Ryan, and I've been on a caddy hunt for this gentleman. Gosh, I hope Kim's caddy is working for him on the Corn Ferry Tour doesn't hear this. He probably won't because he's getting gas <laughs> <nuts> pretty soon. <laughs> and so I told him, I'm like, hey, man, I don't, I don't know where you're at. If you need somebody to talk to, I'm here for you. I've been through it before. But, you know. If you want to get right back in the game, I got an option. And he called me back like five minutes later. And I'm like, okay, first of all, what the hell happened? Yeah. And he just told me, he's like, man, we haven't, things haven't been the same in the last three or four weeks. You know, our communication on the golf course, he's like, I could sense there was tension. Something was going on. He told me at first, I thought maybe he was having issues at home with his family or something like that. And then he's saying, it's said it got really bad at Detroit where they weren't really communicating at all. And he's like, I just had, as a caddy, you get these feelings, you know, it's just a fact. It's an instinct. It's a feeling, whatever you call it, but you just know when it's coming. So, so I'm like, it's like, man, I knew it was coming. And I go, so what's the deal with it coming after two rounds that I don't understand. That just, and I, and I know Will very good. Will is very good friends with Davis Riley, who my son worked for two years. So my son hung out with Will for, for, quite a bit and they're like but they're like buddies you know there's so much buddies that he calls me dad bob when i see will he calls me dad bob he's like hey dad bob and i'm like oh my god you're the son i never had i wish you were my son <laughs> could retire right now and live off of you and so i go what's the deal with him letting you go and he goes honestly i think the deal on that letting me go after friday was he finished you know there were so many delays because of the weather last week 
And he said, I think Will really thought that we had to come back out and play on Saturday, and he thought he was going to miss the cut. He didn't think he was going to miss the cut. So I felt like he had to get it over with at that moment. So Will just told him, hey, man, I love you to death. We had a good run. I should back up and say that Ryan did mention to me, he's like, I think the pressure of him not winning and being in the mix in all these majors was starting to, to get to him a little bit. So Will just told him, hey, hey man, I got to change it up. I got to do what's best for my career. This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, you know, let's part as friends. And, 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 and there you have it. And now I think Ryan is taking a month off and then it's possible he's going to show up on that bag I was talking about at Napa. Well, I'll put it this way. That job is his if he wants it. That's for sure. So, you know, it's just a sh it's just one of those shitty deals, man. If, if I've never walked a day in Will Zalatoris' shoes. This is all coming from Ryan. I would never sure. ask Will. I would never ask Will what the deal is and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm sure his coach, you know, I talked to his coach today. And I, I will tell you something about this because you remember you were texting me. You're like, man, are you getting the Zalatoris back? Let me tell you one thing about those big players like that. That's not a job that, that you go get. That's a job that comes to you. Yeah, exactly. You I, get the call. You know, and, you know, and just and to clarify, I, I asked, did you get a call for Zalatoris? No, no, no. <laughs> and then you remember no. what I told you after that. No, I was like, I that would be one of the smartest decisions he could make. Well, I mean, I mean, you're you're pro Bobby Brown, and I certainly appreciate that. But there's 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 50 Bobby Browns out here, you know, that can be competent and get the job done and have the experience and that kind of stuff. But I, I just see his personality though meshing well with yours. That's yeah, where I, I get it. I got you know, I was God didn't give me a lot in this world, but I can yuck it up with it. And, you know, I can yuck it up with anyone. That's for sure. I'm a people person. What do you want me to say? You I just are. Happened to, I found my niche late in life, and I was just very blessed and or slash lucky to end up where I am but my heart goes out to Ryan I mean it's a it's yeah, a tough it's a deal. deal there's a rumor going around I shouldn't say a rumor I know it's a fact but you know will will with this special temporary membership miss the playoffs last year so I am under the understanding that he cut Ryan off a huge severance check and I mean like like I got a hundred grand from Dustin at Severance Check and a non-disclosure agreement. Shocking, but um, <laughs> you know I think Will really, really took good care of him, and, and he's a single guy with no family and no kids. And I look for him to, you know, he likes chicks, and I, I, I you know, and and I knowing him, he's probably down in Mayakoba area, you know, sitting on the beach for a couple of weeks and refocusing, and his bank account's not going to get any lower. I mean. Probably made a million dollars with, you know, he probably made close to a million dollars or whatever, you know, with everything included. So he'll be, he'll be just fine. It just sucks the timing. You know, Troy's the first one that when Troy heard the same thing too, he's like, he's like, man, really? You're going to do that right before the playoffs? You're not even going to give your guy the playoffs? So maybe there's another, maybe there's another, maybe there's another side of the story too, because I, I've been in the position before. Well, I shouldn't say I've been in the position, but I've seen guys guys with successful young players up and coming and you just think your player's so good that maybe, maybe you don't have to work this hard you know what I mean you don't you're not going to watch the golf course on Monday we have plenty of unmarked sprinkler heads out there that you really have to pay attention to early in the week and make sure you get the right head and this is just a theory of mine this could be something that possibly happened so maybe from Will's point of view that that had something to do with it too but you know he'll be fine Ryan will be fine Will will be fine I was talking to I was talking to Will's coach today, Josh Gregory, and I'm like, how many, how many text messages did you get? He goes, yeah, about 97 of them. You know, 
He goes, and, and he goes, and they're all horrible. You know, I go, what, they're horrible caddies? He goes, no, they're horrible texts. They're, sh- they're shitting all over Ryan, saying how much of a better caddy they are, which is oh. just so cutthroat, bullshitty out here. But it's, it's, it's no surprise the way things go with certain caddies out here, you know. And it's just, it's disappointing to hear. I was just so lucky early with Dustin and all my other guys that I never really had to worry about backstabbers and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I've, I've seen it happen to my son. A couple times, you know, so I know it exists. So we'll it's a dog-eat-dog it... dog world out there. Hey, man, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world, that's for sure. I, I, I should back you up. So he's so he's got a caddy coming in that I'm good friends with. His name is Joel Stock. He's a good player at Oregon, a really good player is at Oregon. Is he the interim caddy? Well, that, that we're, I'm going to get to that. I mean, we shall we shall see, you know, for sure. Um, so Joel Stock, so this whole, they, they go, it's like dead presidents, right? Or airplane crashes. They go, they go and freeze, right? So yeah. Joel Stock worked for Ben Crane forever. And you got to be a good caddy to work for Ben Crane, you know, because there's a lot going on. They had some wins together. And then he was kind of floating around, didn't really settle down with anybody solid. And then he linked up with Cameron Tringali, I'm going to say uh, maybe a couple of years ago, right? And Cameron was ranked, I'm going somewhere with this, was ranked probably 126 to 132 in the world. And he's gotten to 51 or 52. But he told me in Detroit, we're sitting down having lunch, he goes, this is my... This is my last week of camp. I go, really? Where are you going? What are you doing? He goes, oh, no, it wasn't my decision. It was his decision. And I go, wow, Cam's a SoCal guy. And he's like, man, he's changed. He's got the, you know, thinks he's hot shit, 52 in the world, that kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, and he wasn't too, Joel wasn't too bent about it. Where I'm going with this is, is that I was trying to maneuver Joel Stock into this Korean on the Corn Ferry Tour. Okay, but Russell Henley recently fired, man, it goes in fours. Russell Henley re- recently re- fired Todd Jeswold. So, and Lanto Griffin's getting back surgery. So, to make a long story short, Lanto Griffin's caddy, Andy Sanders, goes to Henley, who plays great in Detroit. But Henley wants to try two or three guys. And then Henley plays great again at Greensboro. Well, Joel thought he was going to get a little tryout with Henley. So, I'm like, hey, listen, if that doesn't happen, would you consider going to these Corn Ferry Tour playoffs? It's no money. It's thirteen hundred a week. It's ten and seven percent. But I'm telling you right now, I've seen this guy play enough that he's going to make two million dollars a year on the PGA Tour. He's probably going to win a few times on the PGA Tour, and everything's going to be good. But with that, Joel, you have back problems. You're getting older. You're you're standing on your feet with the Koreans for ten to twelve hours a day, and it's relentless. It's relentless hard work. So he's like, let me think about it, right? So, so it turns out that Joel. When the Zalatoris go, thing goes down, somebody reaches out to Joel or Joel reaches out to them and they need somebody fast, right? Because Josh's coach I was talking about, caddy for him over the weekend at Greensboro. And Josh is a great coach, but he's not a caddy, right? He's yeah. just not a caddy. There's a big difference. I'm not an instructor. Bones is not an instructor. Lagava's not an instructor. We're caddies. That's our specialty. And coaches have their specialty. So I just think that it's just so weird that, you know, that things just fall into place and things happen so fast out here you know you don't blink it out so so uh, so it's fact that Joel Stock's going to caddy for him in the playoffs and they're going to see how things go so this morning we're playing a practice round right and there's a guy named Jules that's caddies for Trey Mullinax and he's walking around with his name's Ben I think his last name's Sherman I'm not I'm not sure what his last name is I always say Ben Sherman because of those shirt that clothing company I don't yeah. remember it's Ben Sherman and he is the He's the Cobra rep, right? He's the Cobra rep out here that would randomly come in when 
DeChambeau got in a fight with Tim or whatever, you know, he knows his stuff. So he's walking around and he's in shorts, right? And refs don't wear shorts. So I'm like, yo, B, what are you doing out here? And he's like, oh, I got a one week gig or something like that. And I'm like, really? Who are you caddying for? And he's like, oh, Ricky. And I'm like, what the fuck? What? He goes, yeah, I'm caddying for Ricky. And when, when, when the Salatoris thing um, went down, Troy's like, okay, who are you going to bet a dollar on that gets the bag, that gets the bag, right? So I'm like, I'm like, well, the smart money's on Jimmy Johnson, Justin Thomas's old caddy forever mm-hmm. that left Justin Thomas. He says he's retired, but when this kind of talent comes along, maybe he's unretired, right? And then I go, and then and then Troy's like, what about Lakava, Tiger's, Tiger's caddy? That would be a good fit. And I go, well, that would be a good fit, but there's no way T-Dub's going to put his graces on that because he's not done He's not done playing yet. But it made me think. And then he said, he goes, oh, my, my dollar's on Joe Scobbard because it didn't look like Ricky was going to make the playoffs at this point. And I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. And I called him. Joe's, Joe's been frustrated for three years. Ricky's been frustrated for three years. And any picture you see of Joe on the golf course with Ricky's bag, his, his arms are folded right there. Okay. And that's not good caddy body language right there. You know, that means something's up or something, things aren't going good. So I'm like, oh, man, Joe. So when Ben tells me this, that was, I was probably one of the first few people to hear about it that, and I, I heard through the grapevine, I don't know for sure, I heard that it was Joe's, the media's going to tell you Ricky switched caddies, right? The media's going to tell you Dustin fired me in 2011, right? But that's not true. You know, that's not true at all. So I think from pretty good sources that Joe is just, hey, man, we had, we had 13 years together. We won five times. We won a player's championship. We had so many chances in majors. And Ricky's been off his game for three years. So there's another... There's another curveball too, right there. You know? well, do you think all of a sudden he hooks up with? That's Well, maybe that's possible now. You know, maybe Troy was right the whole. Maybe Troy's right because the timing and everything just seems to fit. You know, that's assuming unless Will goes Yahtzee and wins something like that. But that's some. That's a situation we have to keep abreast of. That's yeah. for sure because I could see that happening because. Joe's got a ton of experience out there, you know. And he's a younger guy, too. Yeah, he's a younger guy. And that's a big thing for these guys, getting a younger guy that they have some things in common. Not that you're talking too much for five hours during a pressure packed round or anything, you know. But yeah, we'll we'll see. But that's an angle. That's the first thing that went through my mind. I'm like, I wonder if Joel's just, if they've already pre planned to hire hire Joe and Ricky just stumbled into the playoffs. I know. it's, It's crazy times to be. It's crazy times to be a caddy, but I was telling everybody's like, man, I can't believe it. And I'm like, do you think anything surprises me out here anymore with most of these players? You know, nothing really surprises me for just no reason. If you say the wrong thing or it's the wrong club somewhere or a bad wind or something like that. I mean, you could be walking on eggshells at any point. And honestly, it's not it's not a great feeling to have, but it'll sure keep you on your toes as a caddy and make sure you're giving 110 percent. You're still doing all your work because there's. Even though I've been over a golf course 15 times or something like that, I'm still doing prep work early in the week. I'm looking for spots that you can miss or you can't miss. Is this green bigger? Is this green shorter? You know, is this wider? This is, I pay attention to green changes here. I mean, if we didn't get the storm, I was going to predict that it was going to get super fast out here. And a lot of these greens in the back have little downgrade pockets that run one way or the other. So, you know, you're still, you're always working, right? Because if you're not working, somebody else is out working you. And it gets back to that, you know, I always use it as motivation. I've said it before, but that Tom Brady ESPN thing talking about his early years when 
him and the studs were in the locker room and everybody's bailing at four o'clock and the, you know, the big time players are like, where, where are you going? You know, you ain't, you ain't leaving. We're not leaving. I'm going to be the last one out of here. And they, they stayed there till dark. And, it, and it's pretty motivating for a guy like me. It just goes to show you, you, you know, hard work gets you a lot of things in life. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Well, I'm not as surprised actually with the whole Ricky Fowler thing because Me obviously either. Either. he's been struggling for years that's got to be a tough situation yeah especially and they're close right they're yeah. close they're like they're like best friends and you remember my theory and Ricky's got the new baby at home for the last year you know and recently married and that kind of stuff and I always told you my theory on that was you life changer nine, hey man nine out of ten nine out of ten guys they are they're trying to find their path and they're trying to find their way with the newborn at home and they're their time on the golf course isn't as much as it used to be. You know, things, things change. Granted, Ricky's got it. You know, I don't think Lee Bryson out of the equation. I don't think anybody's made maybe Tiger too, or Phil back, you know, whenever, but Ricky's made a lot of money off course, right? He's worth, it's gotta be worth hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars. He's one of the most marketable golfers (laughs) on the PGA tour, even still today. I mean, that Puma deal, Puma's not letting him go. No, Puma's not. Do you know how many shirts he sold for Puma? Yeah. He single-handedly put Puma back on the map. Definitely. But they, they were not. And he's a still a fan company. favorite. Oh, people love him. He walks by and he's just so gracious and he's so classy. You know, he, he goes out of his way to sign for everybody. He's just a class act. He was raised well. I know his parents. They're from Southern California. I'm always partial to Cali Soft, as you guys would say. You know, but they they did a great job. They they just did a great job with him. He's just a. He's got a funny sense of humor. He's a joy to be around. But I was a little surprised with him getting in one FedEx Cup event. With one FedEx Cup event, why not go? Why not go one more week? Which leads me right back to the Zalatoris angle. Maybe Same that deal, right? And maybe that thing's going down for sure. You know. It, well, it, that's it, that. As soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Now the dominoes yeah. are starting to fall because. Yeah. Zalatoris was the first domino to fall, right? Then all of a sudden, everything else starts to take. And your quote there in terms of that it wasn't Ricky who did the split, even though the media might be reporting that. It was probably Joe because he probably knows, hey, if if there's ever going to be a time, it's right now and I need to make myself available. Or like you said, it's already a done deal and they're just waiting until the end of the playoffs to make it official and so forth. Or maybe even after this week, who knows? Wouldn't so, I mean, honestly, everything I just said, that wouldn't, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. I was talking to a caddy that was paired in one of their groups this past week in Greensboro. And I was like, man, it got bad. Like Ricky was, you know, not being Ricky out there and Joe was not being Joe clamming up and that kind of stuff. So it's the, the writing was all the wall. Three years of him off form after 13 years, you know, and, I know Especially the waiting. body language that you were. Yeah, the body language. Yeah, with him and, and, and Ricky's body language hasn't been great. You know, he was thought for years he was one of the greatest putters I've ever seen. He hasn't been he hasn't been making much. I mean, he went to the he went to the Oakley sunglasses, you know, that are, you know, actually prescription. Yeah. Um, so my whole deal is why do I think Ricky Fowler went off for him? I know he's working with John Tillery and John Tillery is a great coach and they've been talking for two years. Oh, wait, we're waiting for this stuff to kick in and that kind of stuff. But fucking two years is two years. Right. But as soon as he left Butch, right. As, as soon as Butch, as, as soon as he left Butch and then he went to Claude, which is like fucking fucking yourself, excuse my language, but you know, it's two <laughs> steps back to that poser who's acting like he's a you know one of the best coaches in the world you know i just feel like i just feel like I, i'm like man, why i would if i was like his friend or like super close with him and i'm close with him i mean 
why wouldn't you just go back to Butch for a little checkup here and there? They all do it, right, man? They all they do all it. They all Barrel do it. Runner, I mean, when you know? when freaking when I was there, Phil came in, even though yeah. we were still with Rick Smith, and he yeah, flew they, in for checkups before yeah. he ended up coming on full time with right. Butch. But here's the thing: it, it's something to where Butch came out after they had split and kind of dished on that entire scenario with Ricky. And he even told the story to where he goes, listen, I did one drill with Ricky and he couldn't even hit a golf ball. He was whiffing in his swing. And I feel like anytime you drop that type of information, yeah. and there's those egos, right? And Ricky's yeah. got to have, I mean, even as good of a dude as Ricky is, yeah. everybody has pride. Everybody has a little right. bit of an ego, especially yeah. when you're making millions of dollars and you're doing it in your craft and everything like you pride yourself on that. That's got to be a pretty big deterrent from him admitting, yeah. Oh gosh, I need you again and going yeah. back to him. So I don't know yeah. that that's the only thing that I can think of. As you said, that well, was the and, Butch interview after they split. Well, and, and, and me and you both know this Butch loves Butch, you know, Butchie loves him some Butchie. Nobody loves Butch more than Butchie loves Butch. For, and for, for our podcast listeners, I just yeah. tried to take a drink, and Bobby yeah. hit me with that. That almost came straight through my nose. we got to be careful uh, on here. Butchie loves him some Butchie, that's for sure. But I'm sure it'll all work out. I mean, but for a reason. I mean, Butch is the legend. I mean, there's yeah, nobody that has an eye like Butch. Nobody. And he knows it. He's, he's you know, the he greatest knows. teacher, the greatest instructor of all times. And I've said before, he keeps it so simple. And what people it don't is. know is... He's such a fabulous motivator, right? He is like that. He is like that football coach and that baseball coach that everybody wants to play for. Yeah, he's a little harsh on you, but he you loves you. Yeah, but you need it. You need a little kick in the ass. Go out there and kick some ass, kid. You're so and so. You know that's Go the northeast the side to him of being yeah. up a wing foot and his dad being a wing yeah. foot, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's that New Yorker side. Guidos. You guys are Guidos up there, man. <laughs> guidos, I've been called guidos. worse. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I don't think there's going to be any more caddy changes going down. I don't Gosh, think. Gosh, fingers crossed, right? Hopefully this isn't a trend. But all of a sudden before the playoffs. So the big, now the big caddy move now is you have all these guys that lost their, so, you know, lost their card or in their. The Let's jump into that, Bobby. Yeah. I yeah. mean, does anybody surprise you on that list? So I sent no. Bobby over a list before the show about all the guys who were. Yeah who lost their cards that were a little bit surprising just in general, right? So I think Golf Digest or Golf.com came out with an article as to, like, who surprised them. I wrote up Bobby a list. It was Matt Wallace, Danny Willett, Harry Higgs, Zach Johnson, Rory Sabatini, Charlie Hoffman, Bill Haas, Luke Donald, Brant Snedeker, and Jimmy Walker. And you know the one name that surprised me on that list was actually Brant Snedeker because it wasn't that long ago that yeah. he was playing the best golf of his life. I mean, we're right. only probably, what, three years removed from that time? Well, supposedly he's hurt. Okay. Is but he going to get an injury exemption, he... you think? What's that? Is he going to get an injury exemption? Yeah, because, I, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, supposedly when guys get hurt towards yeah. the end of the year and they're not having a good year, there's plenty of guys who play the bullshit medical card, yeah, right? Sure. Let's pardon my back hurts. Go see a doctor. <laughs> He's going to write you a note. And all of a sudden you have, you know, status coming back the next year. So I'm not saying Brand's doing that. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, if he did, to be quite honest with you, because I could see him doing something like that. Here's our unfiltered stuff right here, the way yeah. you love it, Matt. And 
you know. So no, that doesn't surprise me because he hasn't done shit for for a few years. You know, yeah. when you think of Brand Snedeker, you think about like Dustin at Pebble Beach, you know, making burying putts on Poana and and you know being a being a world class player. But it's been his. I mean, the elevator's going down for Brand Snedeker, right? It is, and a lot of these guys, it is right. I mean, Danny Willett had his big moment That's winning surprising. the Masters. That one was surprising. No, yeah, that one surprises me because I know Danny, and he's a grinder. Um, he's a little bit of a handful to work for. He can get a little sassy and a little feisty. Matt Wallace, I mean, we played with him at 3M. You, I, I mean, you want to talk about somebody that's so good at golf, but it's just a miserable SOB. Really? I mean, he's, he complains at absolutely everything. We played with him. We played with him Sunday at 3M, and he has this French guy on the bag, a European tour caddy that might be the nicest <laughs> person I've ever. It's a little Frenchy. Everything really, so a French like, guy being a super nice person? That's no, I know. Who, who <laughs> Except I when I went to Paris, everybody was super nice. I don't know what everybody's talking about. Anything nice in France, I thought, were the macaroons and the crepes. And yeah. all of a sudden, I run into this guy, and it's like, I always imit- I imitate him sometimes because so, we played with him in San Antonio when he first came out, and Matt was hitting it all over the planet, like shooting 80, right? And he's like, oh, and he's brought his pencil on his tongue, you know, and he's like, eh, 136 front and 16, it's a 152, it's a little off the left, and that's like <laughs> nine or eight. And he's like, control, control, control eight, holding, control eight, and it's this guy, and Matt's just beating shit out of him the whole time, but this guy's not done smiling, right? He's going through the whole spiel, and, what a and Matt, was, Matt was playing pretty good, the pressure of him being in the 125 3M. I think he finished 27, but just like the shit he was saying, like, oh, there's a drivable hole out there on the weekend, 16, right? It's like 282 front or something like that. And Matt was playing great. He's three or four under. He's probably T12 or T13 at the time, right? Everybody hits driver. Nobody fucking lays up, especially yeah. on the Sunday, right? So he gets up there and his caddy's giving him all the info and they're like whispering and talking and everything like that. And he hits one left of the world. He still ended up making birdie, but he hits one left in the world in this bunker and he fucking throws his club up in the air, right? And he's like, hated it. I hated it from the start. Didn't like the play. And I'm looking at Troy and I'm like, it's a fucking 282 front. And you're trying to get your card. What, what are you going to do? Lay up with an eight iron out there or something on a, on this back pin? And I'm just like, and then he just continues on on 17, you know, and he's telling, he's yelling at the crowd. And we get to 18 and he goes at eight, he goes after 18 and two, gets in a bad spot on the bunker. He's got nothing. He can get out there to like 30 feet for birdie or something like that. So, you know, I don't know. People have been in golf tournaments know if one caddy gets hung up in a bunker, you know, if the player's caddy gets hung in a bunker, another caddy would go over and clean the ball and everything like that. And so I'm like, Troy's not around. I don't want him to hear this. I'm thinking on the green, but I'm like, I'm going to say something to this Matt Wallace guy. You know, I don't know why I'm going to say it, but I just like feel sorry for him. So I'm cleaning his ball and I'm like, Matt, he goes, what? I go, you're so fucking good. Chill out, man. You're so good. You're Matt Wallace. I'm like, just go up there and bury this thing. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and he missed the pot or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm getting soft in my old age, you know. Like, if I was working for Tiger and that story got out, I'd get fucking <laughs> in the heartbeat. But he, he didn't surprise me just because of his attitude. Okay, I'm going to piss a lot of fan favorites off here. But oh, I'm kind of happy. Go. I'm kind of happy Harry Higgs lost his guard because he's a miserable son of a bitch out there too. You I know? knew this one was coming. Here yeah. we go, folks. Oh, because I am not a big fan of these guys. Joel Damon's growing on me because I think he's a good dude. And I lost my dad to cancer. So I have a connection with him and all the battles he's been through. And I super respect him. And he's totally cool and that kind of stuff. But this new age of some of these guys that are, 
I'm not going to call Joel Damon an average player. He will call himself an average player. I think he's a notch he above he, He's a horrible dude, yeah. Yeah, he's an unbelievable dude. But some of these guys, like the, the song and dance that they pulled there on 16 and Scottsdale with ripping his shirt off, it's like, who the fuck are you, man? You're 240 <laughs> pounds, you're sweaty, button that shit up. You look like a slob out here. You're just an average player. You've never won a golf tournament. Stop strutting around like you're hot shit. And then I saw him do that, you know, that silly season thing with Perez and Harold Barner, just thinking he's hot shit. And I don't know why I'm so bitter in my old age when I see that kind of stuff happen. Because you just look for the guys that are just like focused, right? That are trying to win golf tournaments, not the guys that are like, well, you're oh, a many... gamer, Bobby. Yeah, you understand right. that, like, this is serious business. How many followers do I have tonight? You know, how many views or subscribers or whatever the word is for that? So I wasn't surprised at that. I was actually, I was actually kind of chuckling. And he's always been nice to me. He's he's got his little brother on the bag, Alex, who's you know played in numerous USGA events. He's he's a he's a stud himself. But you know, other than you know, I, I will say Austin and Dustin, but I mean, fuck, you know, who my eight-year-old could caddy for Dustin, and he would still be Dustin Johnson. So I saw you know, it in the last live event too. But, the things that you yeah. told me, just like yeah. I, I heard some of the conversations going on because they try to like yeah. get the mics close to him and everything, yeah. and it's just yeah. like, hey, what do you think? Uh, do you yeah, know, I got. I'm going to jump forward. <laughs> do you know that they pay those caddies are mic'd up? You know that they give them. $1,500. You don't know Saudis have deep pockets. We're going to get into it. They pay these caddies $1,500 a day to be mic'd up. $1,500 a day. That's six grand. That's six grand yeah. right there. To listen to Dumb and Dumber talk about what? You know? I mean, I just what? It's Dustin Johnson. Cut him loose. He's not making... You well, know, that's it's why they don't get that much airtime in terms of like the conversations. Like yeah. they'll show Dustin hitting a shot, but like when they actually have like the conversation between them, yeah. What do you think? It's going left yeah. to right. Yep, going left yeah. to right. And then Austin will go in and he'll do the whole four point, and yeah. he's well, sitting there going through everything. And yeah. Dustin's like, "Yeah, I got this." <laughs> it's well, like, wait, what? Here's my theory on that. You know, all you guys, all you guys that don't know, and I might include you in this on that. That say Dustin, and Matt ever said it too. Oh, Dustin Johnson's a great putter. No, he's not. He's no. an average putter. I Hang on, him. I said this, and I got criticized for it by I think every Matt every when yeah, he was well, on. I'm like, that's like DJ's well, a not putter. a great I putter. I, I stood next to him every day for six years. He's an average putter at best that yeah. gets hot. His head falls back. You know, the, the, the club face can get open. There were certain drills we would work on. But listen, here's the deal. As soon as they outlay, they, Dustin relied on those greens books so heavily, right, that as soon as they outlawed those greens books, he's not winning any golf tournaments, right? You can make a case for something else. But And Austin, I played 200 rounds of golf with Austin. He's not a good putter. He's not a great putter. I mean, he's not a good putter. To tell you the truth, he doesn't really have any feel and touch. So he would do his. He learned the aim thing, aim point thing, pretty, pretty, pretty well. I'm going to say that. I, I personally can't do it. To tell you the truth, because I'm old school. I look behind the hole. You know the normal reads. I go all the way around. I, I haven't bought I'm into it either. It's, I can't take that terrible. much time trying to read a putt. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not I, a great putter, yeah. but I yeah. can read greens, which right. I think I've stated on this before. That like when I caddy for people which is now very sparingly, but when I do, I can read pots. Yeah. However, when I read a putt for myself, I need somebody yeah. else just to give me that validation yeah. that I made the correct read. Right. That's my right. big thing. 
So my my thing was he he loses the greens, but so their deal was I was paired with him a bunch. Obviously, the tour championship at Sungjae when he won the FedEx Cup, and so he's looking at the but Dustin's looking at the book. AJ's doing his feet thing, you know, and his fingers and this and that. And AJ points out a spot, and Dustin kind of matches it up. And Dustin was making a lot of points there, a lot of putts there for that year. But you know, it's just it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, I, I have a theory. I have a theory for everything. And I just don't think that he's that. I never thought he was that great of a putter. If Dustin Johnson was a great putter, he would have won probably forty Dude, times Bobby, out here. He'd be the word. most dominant golfer yeah. on the since planet. Tiger. Yeah, since Tiger. So, yeah, he would have won know. so many majors. I mean, yeah. it, his one weakness is really that flat stick. And then, yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but when it came to some of the short game stuff around the greens, like this yeah. dude is a ball striker. And yeah. at the end of the day, ball strikers are ball strikers. There's, it's yeah. rare to get a ball striker that's very good with their short game and vice yeah. versa. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'll t- well, I'll tell you what, being around him for six years, he hits, you notice he never goes up with it. He doesn't have the flop. He doesn't own the, the flop or the super flop. Well, and it's closed. Like, the club face is closed. It's yeah. very tough to get there you go. that he up can't, in the air. From that position, he can't do that, but he hits these little low, these little low checkers that he might be one of the best in the world that I've ever seen it. And for it used to freak me out because he would hit these, and I'm like, oh, the sound it makes, right? I'm like, oh my god, he boned that over the green, and it's just one or two hops and stops. And I'm like, oh my god, his hand-eye coordination is just so good. Well, you know, the sound. The thing is, like, out. look at the Masters that he won. Yeah, it was the oh. softest conditions. Well, yeah, the hairiest... yeah, I well you saw it firsthand, but it, I yeah. mean, those soft conditions yeah. allowed you not to have to play anything yeah. high. Yeah, yeah, but he can't go up with it. He'll tell you he doesn't even try it. He doesn't even try. It. He doesn't. He knows his limitations, and that's yeah, why, like, he's at a point in his career, and this is why I'm really glad that he wasn't on that lawsuit. And we'll get to that in a second because yeah. that is going to be a huge topic in the second half of this episode as we dive into yeah. the live lawsuit against the PGA yeah. Tour. That look, and it really spurred me because I was very heavily in kind of that pro territorist in terms of like, I was positive on live golf. I was giving it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no, I I was, but I kept telling you, I was like, listen, I want to be on the side of the PGA tour because that's where all the history, all the legacy, everything is. But at the same time, it's exploited both sides in a bad way. Mm. And that's where like, I feel like a lot of fans have been shifted into the middle and it's tough because uh, well we'll get we'll get to that but still sticking on this guys who lost their pga tour card status i mean the only other one just because of you by the way that i look at that list and go oh that's interesting is who sabatini no i mean no surprise i told you man i felt bad because i called when james Hahn was on i called him a psychopath i didn't really mean it like that but he's a little bit of a psychopath you know and if didn't if people didn't understand what i was saying that you i would caddy for him but you need to carry a fire sting was sure around with you is because it's just a pop-up blaze from him and you know and he also got he was also out for five six or seven weeks this year battling a legit back like he didn't take it at the end of the year he tried mm. to keep his he tried to keep his card for sure but what people what people don't know is just because you lost your card right 126 to 150 is called a, is a conditional card category. Yep. What does that mean? 
that means 126 to 150 is a different category that's going to play probably anywhere from 12 to 20 events, and they reshuffle every six weeks. People that don't know what a reshuffle means, it means it's by, it's by FedEx point, it's by FedEx points, basically, is what it is. So 126 is going to get into a lot of tournaments. 126 to 1, mid-130s will get into a lot of tournaments during the fall. A lot of those guys will get into Napa, Jackson, Mississippi, Bermuda. They get into all the off things. And then every six weeks, whoever has the most points becomes the new number one and they stagger down. So you don't hold number 126 the whole time. Can I tell you who I was happy they lost their card? Austin Smotherman, even though he's 126. Really? Do you know why? It's because after my son split with Davis Riley, he picked up Austin Smotherman. They got the last tour card um, off the Corn Ferry Tour. They started the year at number 50. The Corn Ferry Tour guys also reshuffle every six weeks. And, you know, they worked hard together and they got along great together and they moved from 50 to 30 after the West Coast. And that is a huge move. Yeah, you that's know? a big job. 30 or better is going to get you plenty of them. And then can't, and I've said this story before, and then the coach gets, and then the agent gets involved. He's never oh, had a Oh, that's game. right. You and I right. have talked about and that. Cam I didn't maybe, realize that it was him. Yeah. And he's been through three or four. So and it was Cam McCormick uh, as the coach, right? Yes. And Cam yes, McCormick's yes, his yes, coach yes. and he's got... He's got a dude on the bag that works really hard, but he's just like a cheerleader. He's just like a cheerleader kind of guy, you know, that's just a rah-rah cheerleader or whatever. And, you know, I just, everybody's like, oh, poor Austin Smotherman, he made double bogey and that kind of stuff. And I was like, honestly, I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Nobody moves, you know. <laughs> it's just like if I have a loss of bag, you don't want anybody I'm behind sorry. That watch. shit's funny, Bobby. <laughs> I won't have to deal with him till Napa. <laughs> oh, I love it. So All like, right, it's my, it's my son. I'm protected, so I don't want anybody yes. moving him up. You know, I I completely agree, and I I kind of am like, all right, it's time. I know the yeah. audience; they want yeah. to hear the entire live golf drama oh, and everything going day. on there. And I got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of criticism, but on the same side, I got a lot of positive comments around oh. the take that I took and put out there in between episodes. It was up on Instagram and Bobby, you were the first one that you're like, you finally have seen what's going on here. And you've yeah. been kind of hyping me up you for weeks. Will you stop tagging me and all that shit? My phone goes <laughs> off every 30 seconds. I'm like, God damn I didn't tag you. <laughs> well, I'm referencing our boy. Oh, I did Fire. actually. Andy, where are you? Andy Patnow, the Patnow. <laughs> you, you work with some LPGA guys, and I'm going to talk shit because you were firing at Matt for about 45 minutes, and my phone, I kept getting tagged, and my phone was blowing up, and I'm reading this bullshit, Andy. And if you told me there was no way the live golfers could lose this, and blah blah blah. And I, I don't know that you do that much, Andy, sitting out there teaching. And and well, I mean, what's crazy is, I, and I'm going to throw in one little dart as well. Starfire yeah. doesn't have a driving range, okay? Oh, it has this tiny little, like, 100-yard little area, yeah. and it's literally, yeah. like, I, I love Starfire, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't have a driving range. Like, the driving range is, like, 100 yards. Like you can't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, we don't need to get in. We don't need to go there. Wait, no, I got to go. I got to go now because on his bio or whatever, he says, voted one of America's young top teachers. And I'm like, damn, Andy, I Googled the shit out of that for 20 minutes. I couldn't find you with the search warrant, bro. What's up with that? But, Savage. Yeah, and, 
Yeah, I know. You remember I mean, I was trying. Listen, like uh, the social media media team was responding in a lot of ways. It's just they were providing facts, and they're they're hitting me up, going, "Hey, can you provide us with any type of information?" We had a comment here, and then I jumped in after you jumped in on my personal account, and I'm like, "Listen, I don't think this is the hill you want to die on with these right. live golfers." Because he was trying to play devil's advocate, and I get that. But at the same time, you can't jump into the comments and be so strong and then start insulting. When we didn't, like, for the social media, I went back and looked at it, and I'm like, nobody said anything, like, derogatory or negative to you. They were just responding and, like, having a good debate. And that's a thing that I think people have absolutely lost in everything that's become social media and polarizing in this country and elsewhere, that it's no longer that you can have a conversation about things. It's now like you and I have had conversations back and forth and we respect each other's opinions and we learn from that. And that's how you learn and move in a direction that is a positive versus kind of coming at people. I mean, he kept saying to the team that you're whiffing, you're whiffing. You, you yeah. don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's like, hang on a second. Like, they're providing facts, like literal facts, as to the fact that the PGA Tour commissioner, based off of the policies and the handbook in which the players designed, okay? The yes. players designed this. This is just something that Jay is following, that it is up to the commissioner, whether there's precedent or not, of something that's taken place beforehand that they, he, so Jay is allowed to decline a release for any reason. There is no guidelines there in terms of it is up to the discretion of the commissioner of the PGA Tour. So whether or not he's approved everything in advance doesn't matter. That will not stand in the court of law. Right. In the policy and in the guidelines, the only way that this becomes something to where live will win is if it's antitrust. To where if it's something to where you're literally banning and you hold a monopoly and you no longer allow a competitor to come into the space and you have banned them. So I get that some people are going to argue that side to it. Yeah, That's fine. fine. Yeah. But when it comes to this lawsuit, I just I saw that lawsuit and Bobby, you'll be the first one to say that I texted you immediately and I was pissed. Yeah, how dare they? Well, they got their ass handed to them today. So I got to tell you, it's you know, it's been all the it's been all the talk out here, and everybody's like, "What's going to happen?" and this and that. And everybody has opinion. What are we going to do? You know, don't talk to them. Put them on their own little corner, and you know, nobody acknowledge them. And it was just going to be very uncomfortable if they played, you know, because nobody wants them out here. But Bobby, like you told me. There is not a person on tour right now that wanted them to be allowed no, into the FedEx. No, campus. of course not. Hundred percent, not, not. There's, there's not one. There's not one. You know, you, you signed your contract. You're making your money. Go do. You know, as Joel Damon says, go, go back to the clown show. Or Max Thomas said, dreams. You know, I want to earn my dreams. My dreams aren't purchased, or, or you know, whatever his quote was on something like that. But you see, you know. It was a big day for the PGA Tour today. You know, it was a big day. I can tell you, I we played nine holes early. I was done by I was done at ten o'clock. I'm staying with Micah Scott Piercy's caddy. They played later, so I was like sitting around waiting for the lawsuit. It was hours away or whatever. And I'm like, I'm gonna go shower and change, go back to the golf course and grab some lunch. And 
you know, see if I could get it on Zoom or whatever. They had it locked to only 500 people could watch it on Zoom. But I, I was watching the live tweets from like Alan Shipnuck, Fire Pit Collective, and and one of the caddies go, oh, they're all, every, you can go back in the back in the locker room. And we don't go in the locker room very much. We're just in and out. You know, there's room back there where everybody's watching it. So I walk and I pop my head in. There must be 80 guys in there, Rory, Ram, all the big boys, all all the brass, you know, like Tyler, uh, Tyler Dennis, who was like VP, um, all, the, all, all the PGA Tour reps, the liaisons and everything like that. And I felt very uncomfortable as a caddy. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm out of here. You know, and I was just paying attention to the tweets and that kind of stuff. But it was... Man, it was a it was a good day. It was a good day for the PGA Tour, as it as it should have been. You know, those guys. You know, you can't can't have you know you can't have both. Well, it's one it, or the so other. for for our listeners, if you want to get a little bit of insight on this as well, at least a little bit behind the scene as to what's going on, because Bobby and I are a little bit privy to this information. But go listen to the Davis Love the Third oh, on that phenomenal. podcast, Bobby. Name the podcast that Davis Love so, was on. It was on Fire Pit. It's on Fire Pit Collective. It's basically Alan Shipnuck um, and Michael Bamberger was on it. But if you know much about this Monday, are you familiar with this Ryan guy that does Monday Q Info, the yep. Twitter guy that's blown up on on mini tours and that kind of stuff? He's also a partner, but. If you guys get a chance to listen to this, it's the Davis Love podcast. It was last week. And I and when this Andy Packhouse guy was going at you, remember I texted you? I'm like, man, I just finished this podcast. And I know you listened to it. I know you listened to it right then. I, I did, absolutely. Did. Now, and you're coming from where Davis Love is coming from. Now, Davis Love, I know forever. And he's the most gentleman. He might be the nicest person I've ever met. He He doesn't talk shit about anybody. He's very unopinionated. He just goes about his business. He's chill. He's a giver, not a taker, which is a dying breed out here, you know? And he just puts things in perspective. I mean... Well, he did. And one of the things that I didn't understand before listening to him and then doing some research around it and talking to some people was the fact that this is this is the strategy of live. The, the strategy of doing litigation and the issue with the fact that the PGA Tour drew the line in the sand that I've been very critical of, especially from the beginning of all this. But it goes back to 2020, folks, to where Jay let the tour know and all the players know, hey, if you go on and join this tour or this invitational or this series, yeah. that we are going to ban you indefinitely for life. And this goes back to 2020 pre-COVID. Are you sure it was pre-COVID? When that's was what asking? David. That's what Davis said. He said it was 2020 when Jay started talking to the guys and telling them pre-COVID that because that's when the, if you recall, that's when all of a sudden they threw out the name of Premier Golf League and all these other things, yeah. right? And Rory made a comment back then and everything around all of this because he was actually one of the names that was getting thrown around a little bit. And Jay made it very clear that, it, but my big thing that I knew happened and what I heard was when Riv and the Genesis Open or the Genesis Invitational, right? At Riv and the players only meeting and bringing everybody in. And Jay really just drew that line in the sand said, hey, if you're going to go over there, you're never going to play on the PGA Tour again. You're going to be yeah. suspended indefinitely yeah. and you will be banned. And, like, that was very clear, and it was a deterrent, but at the same time, obviously it caught wind because players in there were going over to live. They already knew they were. Like, 
for instance, outside of Mickelson, um, gosh, you had some other guys on there as well. I'm trying to think of some of the names that would have been playing in the tournament, but also moved over to live outside of Phil. I mean, but at that point, Phil was already suspended because, and I didn't realize, by the way, this just leaked last week, that Phil was suspended, not because of his comments, but because he was recruiting players to go over to live. And, you know, and that brings up a good point. Remember I told you when we were playing with Jason Day in Detroit on Saturday, he said Bryson's been blowing him up every week to come join his team. You know, I wonder if the tour knows about that. that and it's and it's happening. It's happening on a daily basis where guys are picking him up the phone and trying to recruit other guys. But they got their ass handed to him today. So hopefully, hey, listen, here's the bottom line. The, 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 the whole Saudi deal, they're trying to destroy the PGA Tour yeah. and make it only one tour, make it their tour, really, aren't they? They just want to they, they want the merger. So they're taking Greg Norman's approach, which you right. dropped last week. He might not be in charge. No, listen, there's no might not, folks. He's fired. He's done. I went to, you, you know, I told you, so one of my So he's friends, fired? Well, he's... He, so starting January, oh, let me back up. <laughs> Not yet. So January 1st, he's out. Mark King is officially 100% in. He is going to be president CFO. Greg Norman has pissed so many people off, and I'm sure it's part of the Saudis too, that he's getting degraded to chairman emeritus. I'm not sure what that title is, you know, but basically I feel like the Saudis used him for what they needed to get out of him. You know what I mean? They he needed had him to recruit people. players. He's been lying to everybody. You remember the you, do you remember the, the tweets that just broke between him and Sergio where, where Sergio's like, man, I don't know, and that yeah. kind of stuff. Did you see the tweet where he's like, they can't they can't suspend you a day, much less a season. Exactly. That was complete bullshit. Yeah, he's been he's been completely he's been completely lying. So he's he's out, he's gonna be chairman emeritus. If that oh, I was telling you, so I went to GSE. Is a big management company out here. They're huge. They have a New York City office where a, a Brett there has Bryson DeChambeau, Lexi Todd. He's got a ton of people. Well, Carlos, who works for Sergio Garcia, who gets all the Latinos that come on tour, they bought his company, so he's now with them too. Well, there's another small office that my friend works at, Kevin Canyon, who has um, Kokrak and a bunch of a bunch of other average guys. There's a guy in that office, Mike Crazy, who has uh, Abe Answer would it be his biggest player. And okay. there's another guy in there, Brad, Brad Augustine. So I was running errands in downtown Charleston. I used to go in every week before the kids, but so I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop in and see what the deal is, see if I can get any scoop. So he was. They were all on huge conference calls, right? And they all had the thousand pages of discovery in front of them, and they're just grinding, working the phone. And I'm overhearing these conversations, and I'm like, man, these guys are making a boatload of money right now, right? These agents, right? It's all about the dollar for them. It has nothing to do with PGA Tour. This is their big hit. So I sit down and I was talking to Kevin and that kind of stuff. So he spilled some information. He spilled some information to me. Like he was, he was like almost sure that the Liv was going to win this, this lawsuit, right? Well, really? Kev was wrong. Yeah. He was almost sure that Liv was going to win See, that's this. a bias right there. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I talked to a corporate attorney who is very high up in New York City, um, actually one of the partners of a firm, of a big, huge corporate law firm. And I asked, I was like, what are the odds that this actually goes through? And he's like, slim to none. Really? 
Really? Well, they well, of, of course, them working for <coughs> excuse me, all those just players. for the injunction, though. Sorry, just for the injunction <laughs> yeah. to get into the yeah. FedEx Cup playoffs. The antitrust yeah. or the actual full on lawsuit that's yeah, going to okay. take more I'm, time I'm and everything. Up. But yeah, I said that I said that wrong. I meant the injunction. He was almost one hundred percent sure they were going to win the injunction. That's so unbelievable. He, so he told me a couple things. It's going to have my fucking boy Pat Perez shitting his pants right now. <laughs> Two things. Two things. You ready for this? So the whole team thing that Perez has been milking the $1.5 million on. So starting January 1st, Dustin is considered the owner of that team, right? Until an owner purchases. Like, they're going to get guys that are going to buy these teams. That's what I kind of figured. Yep. They become franchises. So that $3 let's say they win the first event in January. What are they called? The Racers? The Acers. The Acers, right? The Acers. The Acers. Acers. Come on, Bobby. Get your live golf together. It's a fucking exhibition now. Why would I pay attention to that? So anyways, so he tells me on January 1st, because he doesn't like Perez either. And Perez was with that group with Carlos Latino. lasted about three months, which things usually last about three months with Perez. So he says that $3 million actually goes to Dustin. Okay. And Dustin can do whatever he wants with the money. He can cut his players in. He can give himself the majority of the money, or he can spend it on branding and getting sponsors. So fucking fat Pat keeps shooting these scores and he's done. He's not making that money. You know what else he told me? And did you see the plaintiff's attorney spilled it out in court today that this purse money that these guys have been making is recouped out of their guarantees. So what does that mean to everybody? Fat Pat gets $10 million to go play, right? Fat Pat's already made 1.8. That 1.8 is recouped out of that $10 million. And let me simplify it to put myself in a better mood. Fat Pat got six, got 10 million. After taxes, Fat Pat now has 6 million, right? Fat Pat's made 1.5 off the teams. What do you come up with now? About four or five. And how long is that going to last, Fat Pat? You know? How long? Um, I mean, they've, they've got a fabulous yeah. place over in, over in Silverleaf and, uh, They've done the works to that. They've renovated everything. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of bills six, there. They they got six cars. They got six cars. You know, I was I, I was I, talking I'm, with Mikey about that, and it's like, whew, that's a lot. Over. That's a lot yeah. of uh, that's a lot of long term payments you have to make. And what did this play? And, and honestly, what did this? The Saudis they, they could just wake up one morning and go, we're done. We're pulling the plug. That's always an, that's always an option. It's too, always you know? not. That was the one thing that always made me nervous because I'm like, listen, Greg Norman is a good businessman. Whether you like him or not, yeah. whether he has a hard on for the PGA Tour and yeah. wants to screw them over, he's it, a good businessman at the end of the day. But I always, I, I was always fearful that if he gets booted and he gets moved out of his position, and yeah. somebody else comes in, but luckily. The person that's going to be taken over for him is a solid executive from TaylorMade previously and that has helped some other corporations, like you said, like Taco Bell and others, that it's like, all right, Honma um, as a club manufacturer. Well, TaylorMade TaylorMade was the big one. He ran TaylorMade. Yeah. I mean, he ran it for a long time. And, like, that is – I'm not so scared about that, but just the sight of seeing – that this type of movement can happen within leadership that quickly. Yeah. That's terrifying because yeah, it, of course whose it strategy is it to screw over the PGA tour and take over the world of golf. If it's the Saudis, the PGA tour is in and I get why the overreaction and the, the, and reacting based off of fear in business, you should never react off of fear. 
And that's right. one of the things why I criticized from the very beginning because it felt like a fear-based move to come out and draw the line in the sand. But now you've opened yourself up to litigation. Now you have to defend yourself. If you played nice with Live Golf, guess what? They don't have a leg to stand on. So maybe they were banking on this in order to start to go down this litigation path. But yes, big win for the PGA Tour today. That was very big. I didn't see it going through because at this juncture, to be able to get a injunction in place and have these players play in the FedEx Cup, I mean, you see it in baseball from time to time with some of these arbitration deals and so forth, or with suspensions, and they put their appeal in, allows them to play up until the decision gets made. But this happened very quickly and in the favor of the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour has felt very confidently since the beginning of even the antitrust of looking into it that they felt very strong about their position. Obviously, this also helps with that in addition to it. But I will say this. If it keeps going down this legal battle, it will be a bad thing for golf in general, which you know with me, Bobby, I have been all about if this grows the game of golf, then it's good. If this is provides a different product to where other people who aren't necessarily your purists and people like us to where we've been in golf for a long time, we love the way that it is, the way that it's structured, but at the same time, if it brings in this new audience of fans, that would be a good thing as well. But if the entire motive is to bring down the PGA Tour and to take over that monopoly, so to speak, then that's where it becomes a very negative thing. And that has really spun me in terms of my opinion on everything. Well, that's the front runner, right? They're just out to sabotage the PGA Tour and take over the whole thing themselves. Like I said before, they've been coming over here for years, spending all their money on our racehorses, on our royally bred two and three million dollar yearlings to try and win the Derby. They haven't been successful at that, thank goodness. But you know, it's just it's to my own personal opinion is it's it's a it's a sabotage. You know, they just want to take over the whole. The well, it's whole a hostile takeover. We it's we, we hostile see it in takeover. business whenever a company company is publicly traded on the stock market, and you can buy up the majority and do a t hostile takeover. It happens a lot. And it's just something that you see this and it's like, oh boy. I, I, think, I, I think everybody here underestimated the deepness of their pockets. Too. I didn't, but at you know? the same time, I didn't, I didn't, if you're going to sport wash is what a lot of the media critics came out and said initially. And that was a little bit distracting because it's like, listen, if you're going to sports wash, you're not going to do a hostile takeover and put your yeah. name in front of that because like people are going to rebel and it's going to be a very tough look on you. And that's not sport washing, right? It's more so like get into the mix and yeah. put your money into it so that no longer like you can end up having a benefit from the sport itself. But this is turning ugly and it's turning ugly in a hurry and it's got fans across the board divided. And that sucks because golf hasn't really been that divided other than when we get to a Ryder cup like, between yeah, Europeans never, and Americans. This is all new. This is all new to everybody, but everybody's going to be super happy tomorrow out there on Wednesday. I can tell you that much because they're not going to have to deal with the three traders. Cause I'm just going to call them there. I'm just going to call them traders. You know, the, the tweets and everything in the comments by Shipnuck about 
you know, that plaintiff attorney saying, you know, you can't take this away from these three kids. And it's like, three kids? Matt Jones is fucking 42 years old with three kids. You know, it's just, I don't know, man. It was a good, it was a good day for the PGA Tour because had they lost this thing, you know, morale would not have been good out here this week. And by the way, let me make a correction here too while, while we're doing this is that when it first came out, I didn't see that it was just the three that were doing the injunction. I thought it was all 11 that were trying to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs and everything. But the one thing I will point out to all of this is look at the names that weren't on there. You don't have Dustin Johnson. You don't have Brooks Kepka. You don't have Paul Casey. You don't have Lee Westwood. Yeah, those guys those guys know something. That they them and their management company knew to stay away from this one. But I will I'll well, live push this. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Like if you yeah. are in the audience and listening to this, there is no doubt. You, like you you have to stop being naive to the fact that this was pushed by Norman and Live Golf. Like they were pushing and campaigning because they want to put the pressure on the PGA Tour. These guys were used as somewhat pawns in order just to start the litigation. Well, do you you know what I found out with that meeting with Kevin, too, was even though these were the only three on on this TRO, had Liv won, that was going to open up the door for the other guys because they're all considered under the same umbrella. Like Abe Hanser and Jason Kokrak would have been able to play this week if they wanted to, Kevin Canning, Poker yeah. X manager told me. Anybody it's funny, I, yeah, anybody that was on that lawsuit, that's on the lawsuit would have been able to play because when I was in that office, Kevin was talking to Kevin, just finished talking to Kokrak and he was telling Jason, he's like, hey man, if they win this thing, you're going to be able to play the FedEx Cup. And, and Jason being Jason that he is, I love him to death. Jason's like, man, I don't even, I don't even know if I want to play. Like Jason's why like, why would, would I want to go? Yeah, why would I go want to play? I mean, Jason's, you know, Jason's getting his money and he's cashing out his chips and there's bigger things on the horizon for, for Jason Kokrak. He wants to be a dad, you know, and he wants to spend time at home and make as much money as he possibly can. And I, I understand that. I, I don't know if I say I, I'd respect that, you know, and I think Dustin's well, the same Here's the thing, too. though. We don't have to, right? We don't know what they're going through and why they made the decision that they did, yeah. which is why, by the way, I've been very pro to these guys or very positive in light to these guys who have made the decision to go over there because that's their right. They're an independent contractor. Yeah. They're, they're fine to go over. And I think the sentiment, and we heard it from James Hahn, that a lot of guys on tour are fine with them going over to live golf. They don't have an issue with that. Like no, there's I not agree. that divide when it comes to, Hey, you decided you're going to take these millions of dollars. Go for it. Like good for you well, for being able to have that opportunity and going I'm to good. do that, but don't try to have your cake and eat it too and come back, sue us, and then all of a sudden try to get into our tournaments. You know what's funny? You know what baffles me when you say, when people call them independent contractors? So they're independent contractors with full paid health insurance and... And retirement. Is that an independent contractor? Because no, I'm an independent it, it, contractor. It's usually not. I my own insurance. They are technically, it's interesting because it kind of is a quasi thing that most business people here in the U.S. don't really understand because it's not an easy thing to accomplish in the HR world. Like I had time working for one of the biggest human resources companies and payroll companies in ADP and they literally like... I couldn't imagine like how the PG Tour has this structured, but they have a full retirement plan. 
Yeah. And I was actually talking with Mikey about this as well, Pat's brother, and literally he was he was informing me about how the retirement is set up on the PGA Tour based off of things that he's been told by his brother. And it's like, holy cow, like guys have almost a pension, right? It, it's a yeah. pension is it what is it is pension. with these it guys. Yeah, no, like the actual technical term, I'm going, I'm, I'm stretching myself back about 18 years back to when I was in finance. But that being said, like they have health insurance, they have the pension plan that they get put into that literally as long as they have tenure, they're going to get that pension and they're going to be paid out for life unless they do something like this. And that's the part that I'm like, hang on a second. Is that really a 1099? And it's really not. It's not an independent contractor when you go down that path. But the way everything else is set up, yes, it is as a 1099. Um, I'm going I'm I'm to back up a second because yeah, you know, we're talking about some guys out here that had no problem with guys going and that kind of stuff. They understood their decisions and to take the money and sail off into the sunset, so to speak. The guys that they have problems with are the guys like Perez or or Reed or something like that, who just flat out lied and said, you know, PG Tour is the greatest thing on the earth. And then all of a sudden this money gets thrown at them and everything changes, right? It's, just, it's the guys that lied about, you know, playing less golf or growing the game or what have you. I was sitting at breakfast yesterday morning with, with a caddy and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's could be called the greatest caddy of all. One of the greatest caddies of all time. He is one of the greatest caddies of all time. And Perez's name came up and this guy was, was friends with Perez. And he told me, he goes, how old do you think he is now? And I go 44, 45, 46, or something like that. He goes, that he goes, here's what I hope happens to him after all the bullshit and all the lies and, and, you know, and I've gone on record saying what a backstabber is because he's a notorious backstabber and the fans don't know the things that we know about yeah. him. And I could give, and maybe on, um, maybe one night I'm going to give you a bunch of backstories on Perez and maybe I won't, but this cat, this famous caddy, super famous caddy said, you know what I hope happens to him? I hope this live thing buckles in two or three years. And I hope he's and I hope he's fucked himself from playing on the champions tour because he doesn't deserve to play on the champions tour if this thing goes belly up and he can just live on his pension. But a guy like Perez is probably going to get, you know, he's made so many cuts. I'm just throwing a number out there. But he's probably getting forty, fifty thousand dollars a month for the rest of his life once he retires. You know, because I don't think that can be taken it away. Was, it, it, <laughs> Uh, and, and is that according to his brother, it was it, it was a large amount that yeah. he was going to receive, and and he's not going to be able to touch that now. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not educated on that. I'm more educated on the thoughts of of everybody. You know, on well, tour. actually, that's a good point, Bobby, because I don't know legality wise if his tenure with the tour ends yeah. up leading to they him still. Take in, that away. I, I'm pretty. You sure don't think so? No, I, I don't think so. Because if you're going with rules and regulations, right, which is a big thing for the tour, rules and regulations, if you've made so many cuts yeah, or whatever, you're entitled to that pension. So that would, that would be It's very, based very off of his past, not his future. Yeah, yeah. So a big win. So to summarize on the whole thing, a big win for the a big win for the PGA Tour for sure. I'm, obviously, it's not over and that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, you know, there's new names going. We all know who they are. Oh, I mean, Bobby, let, let's talk about this for yeah. a second because you and I had to keep our mouths shut, right? Yeah. We, we've yeah. had to stay quiet. And then this, this poor guy, I, and I say poor because he, he missed, 
like he he got caught up in the moment. He played well, tied or T eight yeah. at uh, at Wind Windham. I don't know why I was hesitating there. Um, I I was thinking three M and he, it was, was Wyndham. So yep. with that, he ends Damn. up talking to the media and dropping all of this about Cam uh, yeah. Smith and Mark Leishman. Yeah. Well, remember a couple episodes. You remember a couple episode episode or two back. I told you there's an Aussie team that's going to be formed. So so now we know, and we've known for a while that Cam Smith and Mark Leishman are are going. It's yeah. not like we could publicize it or anything like that. But the gentleman we're talking about is Cameron per- is obviously Cameron Percy. So when we were playing a prep, Troy's best friend out here is Robert Streb, and his his caddy is Australian. His name we call him Catman. His name is Steve Catlin. So we were like on the second green. He goes, "Do you hear what Cam Percy said on this?" Aust- it was a it was it wasn't media. I, I don't think it was media there at Greensboro. I actually think he was it on wasn't. Star. No, it was an Australian radio show on Perth. Oh, you're show. right. And he probably yeah. didn't think that it was going to catch fire. So he just dropped it. He just said, hey, man, it's a done yeah. It's a done deal. You know, it's a done deal. Did you see Cam Smith's press conference today? Oh, my God. The Holy poor dude. Kid, did they, they, the poor dude. I mean, you know, that's what the media is. You know, I don't like the media either, but, you know, they, they're entitled to ask their questions. And they oh, just absolutely. They and just and here's the thing. I mean, Cam's wow. been thrusted into this, not by his own, like... I, you, uh, having information like this, yeah, it's very difficult for people that are not in front of the media to understand that the media is going to set traps. And I, I don't even know if it was because I haven't heard the interview that Cameron Piercy did, but yeah. by him First, dropping that, yeah, yeah, I know. So the, the the big thing now, the big question is: is we know those two are going right? It's 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 kind of getting well known that Hideki's probably going to go. You know, I don't know that for sure. I know his caddy Shoto pretty well. His translator, I'm good friends with Bob, an older gentleman that's been with him for years. I will tell you that everybody's talking about Adam Scott going. I know Adam Scott's not going. He has no interest in going whatsoever. That's just somebody just throwing names out there. <coughs> Excuse me. I know Cantley's not going. Well, I Cantley's said I I said Adam Scott before anybody went over to live. Just yeah. because, like, Adam Scott, he's a surfer. He likes yeah. his life. He likes being over in Australia. And it's like, why not allow, like, if you're Adam Scott, and I position it this way, that, like, if you're Adam Scott, why wouldn't you go? But yeah. Adam yeah. Scott, I didn't realize that with him in particular, he still wants to win majors and he still wants to compete on the tour. And that was surprising to me to see that he didn't jump ship and he has not shown any interest. No, he has no interest whatsoever. And he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars already. What's the, what's, well, he's the sexiest golfer alive. Sorry, KH. Well, it's official. Sorry, KH Lee, but you know, he is officially the sexiest golfer alive. I mean, you show his picture to a female. Well, I live with one, so <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. Yeah, actually, I do know this. I working for Siwoo, 2017 uh, President's Cup when the internationals got throttled. Was we you have all these team meetings and everything, and the spouses can come and the families and that kind of stuff. It's like an intro, you know, have dinner together and that kind of stuff. And um, uh, a, a caddy out here, the caddy form Clarky was. I guess they went into town into NYC. Um, uh, it, it, it was at Liberty National. They went into NYC a day or two early and got out there a little bit, had some drinks and that kind of stuff. So we're sitting, we're sitting at the same table with Adam, right? And he's got his head down and 
you could tell that he's probably a little bit hungover. And he's like this, right? And my Lori's had a thing. My Lori met him in Hartford. Come with, he got in the elevator when we got in the elevator. When me and Lori first, we were in the elevator. He comes in, and Lori was Lori's much younger than me, and, and was one of the first terminals she went to. And she's like, "Oh, Adam Scott." And he comes in the elevator, and he's all nice. I introduce him, and she's just like, "Oh," and I'm like, "Man, I'm getting laid tonight for sure." Because, you know, <laughs> you know she's getting worked up. <laughs> And all her teachers that she worked with, every every woman loves Adam Scott. Oh, my, yeah. my funny story is, is he's like this. He's like, I don't even want to be in this meeting. I've been in 15 of these things and that kind of stuff. And Lori's sitting next to me, and he's like this. His like, eyes are halfway open. And I see her phone go like this, <laughs> right? And I'm fucking kicking her. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know? And she's snapping pictures of Scotty like that. Scotty pops his head up, head up and he goes, well, at least you could have asked me to smile. Something like that. You know? I'm like, oh my God, Lori, why would you do that? And she's just all giggling. But anyways, getting back to these players. So somebody, somebody, oh, I'll tell you what it was. So the, what, what are they called? What's Dustin's team called? The Acers? Aces. 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 Why did I say Aces? Because they're a bunch of Acers. So apparently they have their own Twitter account. I stumbled onto they it do? this morning. Yeah, check no. it out. And Come on. Know, Can we start it? adding them? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if somebody with Liv's running it, or I don't know if one of It's got to be Liv. It has uh, yeah. to be. I, or it could be one of Pauline's best friends that's running it, you know, because Dustin <laughs> has done that before where he doesn't pay attention to social media. That could media. be. But they listed, like, they listed, like, 10 names, you know, like, 10 names. And Leishman and Cam Smith, Hideki, okay, you can see they're going. But now they're back to Xander, you know, and they're on Burger. And I talked to Burger personally about yeah. a month ago before he, got, before he got hurt. And I'm like, for sure they came after you, right, bud? And he's like, yeah, they did. And I go, man, they had to throw some coin at you. And he goes, man, it wasn't close, right? And I'm like, like fucking Perez money? And he's like, not much more than that. And I'm like, wow. You know, Daniel Berger is, Pat's had a long extended career, you know, but, a, a, but an average guy. Berger's still it, in his prime and can get Berger, even better. Yeah, he's Berger, but Berger's Berger. So I'm just like going to myself, I'm like, how do they just lie and throw these names at you? They put Xander back up. Um, they put who else did they put up? It's they put up Yako. They put up Yako Neiman, really? and I could maybe I could maybe see that only because he is also connected to Carlos with GSE, who had all the Latinos go, you know. So that could be a possibility. But you know, none of these guys are making a move out at, until until after the President's Cup. That's for sure. I, I would have. I would bet. Well, poor Cam. That, Cam's got to deal with all this media attention yeah. and pressure. It's not attention. It's pressure at this point. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. it's negative pressure. It's not good yeah. pressure. And yeah. literally, I don't know how he's going to handle this. He's yeah. a pretty chill guy. And he's, yeah. he's laid back. But, man, this could get to anybody. And to constantly have to answer these questions yeah. when now the media knows. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why you and I did not come out with it in the first place. Because we're like... We made the decision as to not coming out with it and not stating anything because we're like, man, it's Cam Smith. This dude is awesome. We we hey, love cool. Cam Smith. Like, he's a cool dude. super cool dude. Just like laid back and like, if he wants to go over because he wants the money and the lifestyle and everything, then go for it. But at yeah, the same yeah. time, like, man, I can't fault him, but I can't sit here and go you know, yep. we should be super critical of this dude. And then on top of that, he just won the open championship and the 150th open championship. So that makes it tough, but let's get into the, uh, really that last part to live golf, which is, are you surprised that 
I mean, some of these guys have already made that decision, already signed contracts and so forth, just waiting for the season to get over with, the President's Cup and so forth. But are you surprised by these guys going over still? Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm surprised that Cam is going to go over because he's in the He's in the prime of his career. He's made it well known that he doesn't play golf for the money. He wins to, you know, he plays to win championships and that kind of stuff. But let, let me just say this, getting back to that agent thing. You know, his agent is a guy named Bud Martin, you know, who doesn't have, you know, he's not well liked by caddies. Let's put it that way, this, this Bud Martin guy. There's, there's stories about him, so to speak. Um, he also has Matt Wolf too. But imagine if you're a player and you're on the fence, man, damned if I do, damned if I don't. But if Cam, if, if Cam Smith is getting $100 million, and these agents, man, I found out, are getting full boat. They're getting their 20%. And your agent is up for $20 million. Which way do you think this agent is going to push you? Oh, he's you know, going to push you right into that. If it's a tiebreaker. You know, that agent is – and that's what just what I love what Matt Every said. These agents don't have to wear the scarlet letter, and they don't have to deal with the shame or being seen or this kind of stuff. You, you know what I mean? There's – they're sitting at their desk and they're negotiating and closing their deals. And I know they're trying to make their money, but these are these are hits these agents have never seen before in their in their life, man. It's, it's unbelievable. The Scott Morris effect. You you man. know San yeah. Diego, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't kidding, brother. You, are. <laughs> you know, I just You got I one am, on your team that's the laziest guy in baseball. Oh my god, Manny Machado, why, man? <laughs> Can you just run out of ground ball once? Or or how about when the ball goes off your glove? Yeah. How about you run after it? Yeah. Man, we're in a wild card race right now, Padres. You know, we're a half game up, we're a half game down, we're one up, we're one down, and Manny's out there cherry picking. This is what happens when you get a primetime athlete making a hundred million a year that thinks he's, you know. No, but so- here's the thing though. I'm gonna defend that because athletes don't if you make that money. Yeah. And you still have that competitive spirit to win. Yeah. You've yeah. got Michael Jordan. You've got LeBron James. you got these other guys. Yeah. They're going to do everything within their power. And that money only helps them build a team, make sure that they're healthy, right. make sure that they're in the best condition ever. I, I, I hate that. I'm sorry, Bobby, because I do. That one hits me because of my time well, around Major League Baseball players and just seeing how hard guys work, even though they have – hundred million dollar contracts and so forth. I'm watching the Jeter documentary right now on yeah. ESPN. And that thing just reminds me, like, I love Jordan. Like my role models were Jordan. It was Jeter. And then you got guys, I mean, the Knicks, I didn't really have a whole lot to uh, work off of, but Jeter and Jordan were my two big idols growing up. And those two guys, while they were different, they were very much the same. And they were super competitive in the right way to where... They wanted to win. Why they had is, the will to win. Why? Why isn't Manny Machado then? You're talking about the majority. I'm, I'm just you've single, got you. Yeah, but but he's the minority when it comes to the guys that are just super yeah. lazy. He's yeah. a guy who's just super talented, and I can tell you right now, he probably doesn't love baseball that much. He probably doesn't care about winning that much. He's That's more obvious. like yeah, it really That's is good. obvious, and it's sad. But at the same time, it's like you know. I don't buy into that argument that, hey, if you pay these guys guaranteed money, which I, I've said from the beginning, I think the PGA Tour should. I think there's a lot of things that Live Golf was going to do that was going to make the PGA Tour better long term. But man, if that mission is just to keep 
milking the PGA Tour for every cent they have in legal battles and everything, PGA Tour can't compete. They can't yeah. compete with the amount no. of money that the Saudis have. Because that's an un, that's a limitless amount of money that they have and a limitless amount of power. I mean, we've got our president going over there fist pumping with those guys. That That is not the scenario that the PGA Tour wants to fight against, which again, no. goes back to my initial point around the fact that Every reaction, all the things that the PGA yeah. Tour has done, and guess what? It has leaked and and really created an environment. And Davis Love touched upon this. He goes, it makes us look greedy. Makes us yeah. look like greedy bastards that, yeah. that, you know, Jay's making so much money that he would be second on the money list, that we've got guys um, in terms of being paid endless amounts of money that aren't being in tournaments and so forth. I mean, even last year, Tiger made $8 yeah. million, even though he didn't compete in many events because yeah. of obviously he was out for the majority of the year. So you got a lot of this stuff that's coming up and it's like, yeah, it, it does kind of put a black eye on golf in general, but that sucks because you and I, we want to grow the sport. We want the sport to be in this great light and it makes it tough for us to do our jobs but at the same time, it's like this is the world that we live in. This is the environment that we're given. And at the end of the day, I want our audience to know that no matter how you feel, whether it be heavily towards the PGA Tour or heavily towards Live Golf, we want you to tune in and listen because we're going to shoot it straight. Oh, yeah. We're not, That's our we're, deal. We're not going to. Like, this is an unfiltered podcast. We're going to share our opinions. And at the end of the day, if it's one side or the other, we don't care. It's going to be where we're going to share with you. And obviously, you're going to get opinions that are neutral. But at the same time, we're not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Like, we're not sugarcoating it around Cam Smith heading over to live golf. Like, we like Cam. Like, we think yeah, that that, everybody. like, yeah, everybody that like for, for him, go for it. But at the same time... Make sure you know what you're getting into and don't yeah. let these agents pressure you into right. the fact that you have to understand your agent might seem like your best friend, that they have yeah. everything going for you, that they're setting everything up for you. They're going to take care of you. There has been numerous times in sports to where not only agents, but financial advisors and so forth have taken advantage of athletes. Oh, yeah. Don't allow that to take place to where all of a sudden you lose every piece of dignity, respect, and so forth. So this is my warning to anybody entertaining the idea of going over and not vetting it through entirely is the, and being pushed by your agent. Be careful because as Bobby has reiterated on the, and every said it on a couple episodes ago, Bobby's saying it now. I'm saying it now. Your agent does not need to wear that scarlet letter and do understand how much money you're making your agent versus what they would have made if you don't go over. Right. Let's. That's a good way to wrap it up. I, I got early so. pro. I got a good early pro am tea time. I do want to give a those shout pro out. To Watch out, fans. I used, please. Um, uh, I used to do the hit and runs, but this one I want to say a special. Good luck to my son, Daniel, who's on the Corn Ferry Tour, who caddies for Pearson Cootie. If you know much about Pearson Cootie, he was another number one college player coming out this year, won his 
won his second tournament on the bat, third tournament, I believe, on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's 29th on the money list. This is the last week where 25 guys get a card before the playoffs, and they got a great opportunity. They had a good chance last week, ended up finishing 10th. But um, uh, for some reason, I'm emotional, and I just want to tell Daniel how much I love him and how proud I am of him, and, and good luck to him and Pearson. And Matt, That's thanks awesome, for Bobby. thanks for thanks for another one, man. Or hey, two, my uh, pleasure, and good luck out there on yeah. the Corn Ferry Tour. Let's go, Daniel. <laughs> get out there and make it happen. Oh Thanks, gosh, buddy. Bobby, my pleasure. Thank you, my man. And okay, uh, everybody, until next. Thank you for tuning in to season two of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe and go to www.pullhookgolf.com for more.